This is an Area Code podcast. This is All Alone, a podcast about life during a pandemic. The following entries were recorded the week of May 10th. Hello, it is Monday, May 11th. Uh, my name is Kenji and I live in Chicago. So I work as a chaplain in a hospital here in Chicago. And traditionally, I've been over in oncology in an inpatient cancer treatment uh, floor. With COVID sort of ramping up, our work schedules changed quite dramatically. Um, so many chaplains work at home during the days. Now, making calls to um, COVID patient rooms or to family members of those who are hospitalized with us. And I'm working quite a few more overnight shifts, as are quite a few of the other chaplains here. Um, so it's, it's, it's been a little strange to have even less predictability. Um, week to week, you know, we, I might be on site for 40 hours or for zero hours, depending on what scheduling looks like with my coworkers and with the department. But usually the day starts um, when I'm at the hospital with a morning report. Um, so there will be several people gathered in a conference room, several joining via video conference every morning. And the person coming off of the night shift, holding the pager uh, for the hospital, will give a report as to what happened um, over the past 12 or 24 hours number of cardiac arrests, deaths, level one traumas that came in, um, any major referrals or concerns to pass on to the rest of the team. And then the day sort of begins with folks scattering to different parts of the hospital, following up on referrals or maybe checking in on patients that, that folks were already working with. The end of the workday when we're on site just ends with, with going home um, if you're not staying overnight. And I try to change my clothes for the first thing I do when I get home. I'm sure many hospital workers, nurses, physicians, techs, service workers do something similar when they get home. I have been snacking a lot more. One thing about working where I work is that we have been getting a lot of donations from pizza places, Lumilnati's, especially here in Chicago, um, but also chocolate bars and wisps and snacks and five hour energies and Red Bull. And so we have been getting so many um, donations, fruit cups from all of these different um, places that are trying to keep workers fed and supplied. So I have been snacking quite a bit for sure. <laughs> and relationships with coworkers. I feel like we've been really trying to support each other because we recognize how sort of stretched everything is right now um we will give each other gifts leave notes it's one of the first things that i say to people when they ask how i'm doing or how work is going how grateful i feel to be able to have coworkers who are so tender and thoughtful and um, just just really supportive and and i learned so much from, from watching them work This is Jess. I live in London. And this is the week commencing the 10th of May. 
Yeah, work is completely different than it was before. I had been working doing sales, so I had a list of contacts that I was trying to reach. And you just can't reach people in the same way when they're working from home. Especially because I'm, I'm reaching new people. You know, before I could call into an office, ask for the switchboard to transfer me. Can't do that anymore. So if I don't have somebody's cell phone number, the only thing I can do is send them an email. And I imagine that's what everybody's doing right now. And people don't know what's going on. So I will say that it's just, it's just completely disrupted the way that I work. It's difficult for me to talk about things that I've done that are kind for people because I'm not really seeing people or interacting with people. You know, almost all of my time is just me and my husband. I guess, you know, there are kind of things I've done for him, <laughs> making cakes or things, but it's not particularly out of the ordinary. I, I think the kindest thing I've done is, is probably just staying at home. It's a really simple thing, actually, just making the decision not to risk infecting other people by staying inside my house. Uh, I will say that Raph is a, a clinical psychologist, so he treats voice hearers. And it, this is obviously an extremely disruptive time. And there's a lot of stress and anxiety around the current situation. And he's still seeing his clients by holding calls with them but it's become very expensive for them to be able to pay their their mobile bills so he ha is using our bank account to pay them funds directly for them to do top-ups and we anticipate that this money will be paid back but we don't really know when or how but we understand it's really important so it's something that we're doing and i don't even question you know that decision it's just the right thing to do What scares me about this pandemic, share some of the fears I'm experiencing as a part of this. I'm fearful when I see how quickly certain segments of our society are snapping back to normal as a kind of denial, as a kind of manic defense. I don't really know, but it scares me. I'm afraid when I see or hear people talking about how quickly they want to get back out there. And, you know, it's almost this, we can't let the terrorists win kind of thing. Open up the nail salons, the hair salons, the movie theaters, the gyms. The, I get the, the, the hesitation and the fear of being at home, but this anxious push to prematurely open the floodgates, it's, um, that's what scares me. And I think on a deeper and more personal level, I have some level of fear about, will this impact me in a way? You know, like I saw the impact that events like the Japanese American incarceration during World War II, that the Great Depression, that serving in combat in the Second World War, I saw the impacts that this had on my family, psychologically, spiritually, for generations in serious ways and also in in trivial or a little more humorous ways you know like i i remember my maternal grandmother growing up for instance would all of the cups in her house were yogurt cups 
from decades ago that she washed and reused and she would never buy cups and she never threw them away. And, you know, it always boggled me as a kid. It boggled my mom when she was growing up too. But I just wonder what psychic inheritances this chapter in our collective lives will leave us with. And um, I really like the question because I think talking about some of those fears is a is going to be a good way to think through what is actually happening with us. Um, I hope that this doesn't shrink the the scope of relationships that I have and work that I want to do in the world. I hope it grows the strength of those bonds and sharpens my commitments and solidarity with other people. The seminary that I um, serve as an adjunct professor at and uh, am an alumni of McCormick in Chicago, um, I watched their virtual convocation yesterday and it was so freaking cool to see all of these graduates crossing the virtual stage, being celebrated for this tremendous labor and sacrifice they've done by going to seminary, by you know answering the call. Um, all of whom are hoping to serve their churches, their communities. Um, that was such a powerful moment. It brought me to tears many times, seeing the strength and the coherence of that community, even in these circumstances. And I don't think looking forward gives me much hope, but looking back and seeing the strength of our ancestors, the resilience of our communities across time, across challenge and circumstance, there's some good, there's some good histories and legacies that we have to lean upon. And um, I appreciate being reminded of that every, every chance I get. I was just listening to this podcast and they said that Britain is in its worst economy since 1709. I was thinking about that, that the last time Britain was in a, a, an economy this bad, the colonies were still a part of the British Empire. That is how extraordinary it is, this period that we're living through. And so I guess if you think about what's sort of the scariest part of, of living through this, it's, it's just how completely unprecedented it is, like how... It is so unlike anything before, and we have no idea what it's going to look like in two months, in six months, in a year, in five years. And that lack of knowing is terrifying. But when you look back, you know, it's true that these, these sorts of big changes are terrible and that they that people die and that people's lives are disrupted and that, you know, the things that we hold on to, that we value, that we lose things. But it's also a really big impetus for change. And of course, thinking back to that period of time, there apparently was some great cold year or something where the Thames froze over and and crops failed in 1709, which is the last time things were comparatively this bad. But it's interesting because the, the Enlightenment took place in this, from sort of like 1720 to 1789 or something like that. And I'm very interested in the Enlightenment era. And so 
it's interesting to think that we might be going through some sort of change that's so unprecedented that the potential in the future is for something intellectually quite extraordinary. It would be insane to think that all of this is happening and that we are going to come out of it exactly the same as what we were before. There's no way that we will be able to go back. It is going to be very different, whatever we find on the other side of this. And I think that there is potential for something really quite good because I think if we asked ourselves how we were living six months ago, if we were really happy about it, I think we could all probably find things that we really disliked. And to think that there might be the possibility for us to just reconsider our values, to just reconsider what it is that we are trying to achieve as a society. And and that's it is that you can look into the future and you can see the potential for bad. But I also think that there's tons of potential for very good things to happen. And I guess that's what I think of whenever I think of hope is just the belief in the future and a future that could be potentially better than than our present. And it's terrifying to not know what that will look like or when it will happen. But I still think that it's worth considering what's happened in the past and how, you know, these periods of enormous change, societal change in the past have both created problems, but they've also created new opportunities and I think that it's worth holding on to that and thinking about how we're living and thinking about how important our actions are right now and if if things are going through a change that we have the opportunity to find that change if it really is a completely different world than the one like the last time we saw this sort of change was in 1709 this is the first time that that we're seeing a democratic society have the opportunity to completely change the way that we're living. And, and I think that that's something that's, uh, that's worth holding on to. All Alone is created and hosted by me, Morgan Lee. It's produced by Sarah Cameron, Nick Thompson, Richard Clark, and myself. All Alone is a useful group podcast. For more information or to join, please send us an email at coronavirusdiaries at gmail.com. To stay updated on this project, follow us on social media. We're at All Alone Pod on Instagram and Twitter. This is an area code podcast.